Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No time on the clock. The Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. It's a quick throw. And it's All right, a happy new year to you and yours in the Pats Interference Podcast. Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. And a guest, it's been too long since we had friend of the pod, the new pod and the old pod, which I won't <laughs> mention the name here now uh, because we're we'll, we're full on pass uh, into the future here with Pats Interference. But Doug Kide, longtime Patriots reporter, NFL reporter. Before we get into anything serious, Doug, do you have any experience playing corner? This is very important this week. <laughs> you know what? In like... In elementary school recess, I was like, I was a nasty shutdown cornerback, safety, slot. I was like, I definitely led recess and interceptions. So, I mean, as far as like who's available for the Patriots, like you, you might be, you might have to go back that far to like the mid 90s recess at Seaview Elementary uh, to find a good cornerback. So I'm available if the Patriots want to want to sign me and get me in there. Yeah, you're hired. That that's all that it yeah. takes. I had two interceptions in my fiance's family football game on Thanksgiving. <laughs> that has drawn me interest in a workout on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> but no, so you you are still covering the league nationally. Catch us up on what you what you've been up to. Yeah, I've been writing for a site, uh, OptiAnalyst, the theanalyst.com. That's through Stats Perform. Uh, so I've been breaking down a lot of the stats that they provide. I uh, wrote about Russell Wilson today, writing about a lot of the veteran cornerbacks or a lot of veteran quarterbacks, why teams should be maybe afraid of acquiring those guys this offseason that will be available, like Derek Carr, maybe Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, some of those other veteran quarterbacks might be available. And then also doing a podcast with Michael Hurley uh, called Pat's Chat. Been wanting to podcast Michael Hurley for quite a while now. So we do that two times a week. That's been a lot of fun and doing some work with like Thrive Fantasy, Battle, some other companies as well. So uh, certainly keeping busy. Yeah, the promo code has me most impressed, which you omitted there, but I don't know how many people in my life have a promo code. You have one, promo code Doug, of course. Um, ThriveFantasy.com, promo code Doug. There we go. I'll plug it right now. Excellent. Yeah, it could have been Vacation Doug. It could have been Doug's <laughs> Buds. It could have been Ass Doug. Like all these different things we've come to know from obviously your excellent Patriots coverage at Nesson and then PFF. Um, and just kind of sticking nationally because like, look, we, we get into the weeds here on this podcast and obviously with one team, you want to get to the nitty gritty as much as possible, but you've been able to zoom out and see the whole league mm -hmm. and not just like for me as catching a Monday night game when I'm done with film or a Thursday night game, if it's not Cowboys Titans, um, how has that perspective of the whole league and stepping back changed your view of the Patriots and how they fit in that picture of the last couple of years? I think a big part of it is just that like, there's things that the Patriots do that if any other team did them, you'd be like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, and that's even beyond like the Matt Patricia offensive coordinator thing. That's even oh. beyond, you know, playing Mac Jones for a quarter and then pulling him and having Bailey Zappi. Like, I feel like if any other team in the NFL did those things, like a head coach would be fired or like their, their sanity would be questioned. But since it's Bill Belichick, people just kind of gloss over it to some degree, but it's also just like the fact that most other teams provide injury updates after games during weekly press conferences. And like, I don't blame Patriots beat reporters, but like those questions typically aren't even asked because you know, that bill Belichick isn't going to provide the information anyway. So it's kind of a, a waste of everyone's time. And I don't know. Yeah. Just the way that bill Belichick handles things with the media is a lot different than the other 31 teams. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of head scratching that goes on that would be made a much bigger deal of if it wasn't Bill Belichick and this system and this, you know, franchise and everything else that goes on. So I think that's the big thing is just that like knowing how differently the Patriots handle things compared to other teams. That's interesting. It sounds like almost there's been feedback from the league or conversations you might have with other people being like, knowing your background, what's <laughs> happening there. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, like people just being like, like what with the Matt Patricia thing in particular, back when that was, you know, made public or reported back in the spring, it was like, 
people asking me what the Patriots are doing. It's like, dude, I don't know. Like <laughs> the Patriots are crazy. I like maybe this works out. Obviously, it didn't. But at the time, like people. People are kind of afraid to question things unless they actually came from within the building, because there are people there's a lot of people out there at this point who used to work for the Patriots and the scouting department, coaching department, like like former players, all those type of things. Like, I feel like they question things that go on at Gillette a little bit more than some of the people who never worked here. The people who never worked in, in, in with the Patriots just like are curious to see, to hear like what it's all about. Whereas people who did work here can be a little bit more critical of what's going on. But I don't know. I mean, I would say that I think that, yeah, when you are like deep in the weeds, some of the weirdness all kind of blends together. But when you are able to step back, like basically the entire last 12 months for the Patriots from the draft, you know, to the coaching staff stuff, to the Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi thing, like it's all just been so weird. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because I have a piece that I'm putting together today for tomorrow about the last 12 months and how did they get better, if anywhere, which I, maybe I shouldn't have said that because the last week I did about the reversal of the Patriots and Bengals and their standings kind of as franchises in the NFL. And I told Mike Giardi that and lo and behold, something else comes up on Friday and I don't write it. So something <laughs> to may or may not look forward to the BostonHerald.com. Before we get into Miami, the one last one, um, you mentioned the Patricia thing it's everyone's kind of got an eye around the corner at this point to 2023 and specifically in new England. That means who's going to be on the coaching staff. How different is it? I've heard conflicting reports as much as you hear some of, Oh, Bill O'Brien that should be done according to Tom Curran. And then talking to some people myself, it's like, I'm not so sure Bill is going to be pushed in anything he wants to do. Even if they finish seven and 10, your best guess. And I will underscore guess promo code guess here from Doug. <laughs> Like what, how much change comes to the offensive coaching staff in 2023? And I think my best guess is that it will be Bill O'Brien because like we heard all the rumors last year about that as well. And then just seems like Bill Belichick didn't want to poach from Nick Saban's coaching staff when Bill O'Brien still had a year left on the deal. Uh, but now that his contract is up and Bill Belichick can essentially like leave that decision up to Bill O'Brien, I feel like it's at least much more likely. I think that ideally the Patriots wanted some sort of offensive coordinator that had veteran experience, like calling plays and all that stuff last year and just didn't really work out. I think some of that was, you know, the Bill O'Brien contract stuff. So that would be my best guess is that Bill O'Brien comes in. But at that point, like, I don't know what happens to Matt Patricia. I don't really even know what happens to Joe judge because like, does Bill O'Brien want Joe judge to be his quarterbacks coach after how like no, the last I'll answer one? That. Yeah. Right. No. Like, like probably not. And so I think and I've said this a few times already, like you not only need Bill O'Brien, you also need some sort of up and comer or like veteran offensive coach to also be either your quarterback's coach or assistant quarterback's coach, whatever it is behind Bill O'Brien. Because like just looking at this on paper, the Patriots have one of the worst offenses in the NFL this season. If Bill O'Brien comes in next year, there's a pretty good chance that this could be top 10, top 15, like at least a decent offense. And that's going to look really good on Bill O'Brien's resume, resume just in a vacuum of improving the offense that much. So I'm not saying that he's going to get a head coaching opportunity or whatever it is after one year, but it's at least something to think about. It's at least something to, to ponder and, and consider. And if that happens, you actually need a plan in place this year because you can't say like, all right, Matt, we're going to bring you back from like senior coaching assistant or whatever it is to be your offensive play caller again in 2024 when Bill O'Brien leaves. So I don't know if that person's like Adam Gase or someone that Bill O'Brien's worked with at Alabama or Houston or whatever it is, but like you need two or three guys to come in to fix this offense, not just one. Yeah, I, I a couple of things ran through my head there. One, sticking with Patricia, you could definitely just send him upstairs, like whether it's senior football right. advisor, special projects, all the stuff he was doing before, which was way overblown, according to people I talked to mm -hmm. in the front office part. It was just, what does Bill need done that day? And sometime in March, it was signed a couple of free agent contracts to right. make it look like to Detroit, you're not actively coaching when he was still helping out a little bit. But he could plug in, let's say they lose Gerard Mayo to maybe not Denver, but yep. Carolina or a different place. He coached linebackers before he became defensive coordinator. It was his first full-on uh, position coach after being an assistant in the offensive line in 2006. So, yep. look, if him being an offensive line coach in 2006 was good enough to move him to offensive line coach this year, you know, the rest of his experience should bode well to put him back there if Gerard Mayo leaves. Now, of course, that would open the door to Bill O'Brien. And I'll push back on this, not because 
I don't feel any differently than the way you do. If I had to guess, yeah. or guess, I would guess Bill O'Brien. But the things that would make me hesitate or think that Bill Belichick would hesitate are O'Brien wants to be a head coach again. He doesn't want a flight risk in terms of leaving, which is why Nick Cayley, I think, partly didn't get promoted. And Matt Patricia was into this role. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Brien, according to Seth Wickersham's book, was kind of angling for different jobs and considered being the Patriots head coach after Belichick leaves. And I think having someone like that in the building would not worry me, but we all know right. Belichick's not in the same firm ground he's been for the last 20 plus years. Like yeah. if they lose out, they're seven and 10, seven and 10 speaks for itself. And I think the last part is I, I don't know if Belichick wants to give any more leverage to Mac Jones here where I, I, right. And the way things are set up now, Patricia is very much on his side. Joe Judge is on his side. Like he wants the players to take direction and play as they've been told. And I think that's caused some of the friction there is that dynamic where it's not three on one, but it might feel like that in the quarterback's camp. Bill O'Brien gets here. You know, that's a change that I'm sure Mac would support. Kraft might want. And there, there's there's a lot of different dynamics, but I want to hit on that because, again, it's all we're going to be talking about for the next month um, or so. OK, I, I do. I do think like just real quick on yeah, that. Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. And I feel like. A lot of this is like, what does Bill Belichick think, which no one really knows. And it can be, as I mentioned off the top, like a lot different than a lot of other people might think about these things. So I think that all those points are fair. If this was any other coach, I would look at this situation and say, all right, like if Bill Belichick is sort of fighting for his job right now, if he doesn't know that he's got long-term job security, then you have to do absolutely anything that you can possibly do to improve the offense, even if it's just for one year. And I think that Bill O'Brien is the best guarantee to do that because if you keep Matt Patricia or Joe Judge or whoever is in charge in the offense and they go 6-11 and 11 next year, 5-12, and 12, then like the chances definitely increase that Bill Belichick could be gone. Whereas I think that there's not certainty that bill o'brien can fix the offense but that is the absolute like it's it's the best scenario that you could possibly have to fix the offense so if it was any other coach i would say like definitely bill bill o'brien it makes the most sense but belichick is just so unpredictable yeah he's he's a floor raiser right like you mentioned top 10 top 15 i said this earlier this week like he's not some sort of mastermind but he's someone who checks all of their boxes has developed quarterbacks led offenses obviously been a head coach knows their system could bring college concepts in and i think modernize a system that's you know not only been streamlined but gone backwards he's also someone because of that experience and being on his own in houston has some different ideas you look at the staff and just go where are the new ideas coming from? Right. It's not yeah. from Patricia or Judge who are new to this side of the ball, relatively yeah. speaking. It's not from Ross Douglas, the newest, the youngest offensive position coach right. in the entire league. Vinny Sinceri, third year. Like, where, where, where are the adults in the room as, as far as it comes from brainstorming? And so, naturally, I think those guys will develop. I think Vinny Sinceri is a talented coach. Same with Ross Douglas. Nick Cayley, you know, I talked about last week with Mike Giardi. Um, but there's just not a great diversity of thought, which mm-hmm. happens when you restrict your circle and your coaching staff to such a small pool as Belichick has done. Definitely. Okay, now we're on to Miami. Miami, I read this off uh, at the end of my last episode, so we'll go quickly here, but it's the same standard breakdown we always have. They are 8-7, and 8th by DVOA, 4th in offense, 18th in defense, 31st in special teams. They have lost four straight to the Niners, Chargers, Bills, and most recently, the Packers. Now, during that four-game losing streak, which is really, A, it's important because it's brought them down to a level where I think they always were. Like, water has kind of found its level in the AFC where Miami was not up with Kansas City, Buffalo, mm-hmm. probably Cincinnati. I think they're better than 8-7. and seven. But this is also the tape the team study. Like, what have our opponents yep. done in the last four weeks? This is who they are and who they've been recently. And in that stretch, forget the fourth and offense, 18th and defense, 34th and special teams. The last four weeks, they were 27th by DVOA, the fifth worst team in the league, 27th in offense, 18th in defense, and 19th in special teams. And what's dragging down that offensive ranking, I don't think it's because there's any sort of blueprint out there that we can get at that there, is the pass Mm -hmm. offense has gone way down. They're they're Mm -hmm. 24th, which is bottom 10 of the league. Of course, the Patriots will not see Tua. They're going to see Teddy Bridgewater, who... It's been it's been quietly hilarious asking guys this week, like, oh, the biggest difference here, how's the offense changed? They're like, A, the offense doesn't change. B, Teddy's right-handed. And C, that's it. Like, right. <laughs> there's nothing else really here to be said. So I read off all those stats, and I say there's no blueprint. But again, as someone who's able to watch nationally and dig into this stuff, what changes have you seen the last few weeks when Miami goes from supposedly fourth in offense by DVOA all the way down to 27? Well, first of all, I think that 
a big part of this is that you couldn't really have asked for a worse four game stretch for the dolphins here where against 49ers, you've got Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniels, former boss as the offensive coordinator. And as the head coach, you, you know, like no team knows what Mike McDaniel is going to do better on offense than the 49ers offense and the defense. And obviously they can all work together to stop the dolphins. Next up, you've got the chargers where Brandon Staley was with Sean McVay with the Rams. Uh, Brandon Staley has historically done well against Shanahan style offenses. So that was in week two where they slowed down the offense week three, Miami Dolphin, the Dolphins offense actually performed a little bit better against the Buffalo Bills, but the Bills are such a juggernaut that they just couldn't quite keep up. Uh, Bills won that game 32-29. And then finally, you've got the Packers, who obviously this season have struggled, but you've still got Matt LaFleur as the head coach. And no, like that's another guy who knows what the Dolphins are doing on offense. LaFleur right. and McDaniel worked together for a long time um, in Washington, like everywhere. So I think that that was part of it, is that, you can't just look at those four games in a vacuum and say like, all right, well, they've struggled. So the Patriots can do what all those other teams have done and also slow down the Dolphins because the Patriots just don't really know Mike McDaniel as well as Kyle Shanahan, Brandon Staley, um, Matt LaFleur. But it seems like teams have been using more cover two over the last four weeks or so, um, you know, try to slow down the offense that way, uh, get the two high, deep high safeties, uh, get a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage as well, just to make things a little bit less complicated, um, not try to keep up with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, those guys in motion. So I think it's just a number of different things, uh, trying to play zone a little bit more, uh, you know, just getting back, not letting the Dolphins beat you deep. But the the other thing in there as well is that, I mean, you hate to say it, but I mean, Tua Tungavailoa was probably playing through a concussion with, like in his last game against, against the Packers. Yeah. 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 So like those three interceptions they had against the Packers, like do those happen if he doesn't slam his head against the turf? If he's not trying to play through a concussion? Probably not. So I, I think that, you know, Tua to Teddy Bridgewater, that is a downgrade for the Dolphins, but Teddy Bridgewater versus Tua Tungavailoa with concussion it's probably an upgrade, you yes. know, like, I, I hate to like say that and like make even slight light of the concussion, which I'm not, but like not to analyze it football wise, but that's kind of the way that you have to do it when you look at last week's game. So I do think that the Dolphins still have the ability to be a high powered offense against the Patriots this week. I do think the Patriots can borrow some of that blueprint uh, that the teams have done to slow down the Dolphins over the last few weeks, but that's also going to be difficult to do with a lot of the injuries that the Patriots are facing in their secondary right now. And, um, you know, I think to some degree, like the system is the system with the Patriots and you can kind of mix and match pieces. But when you're down three of your top four or five cornerbacks in this game, potentially like that's where it starts to get really far down the line. And if you have to put practice squad guys in there, they just are not going to know the system even as well as a rookie like Jack Jones or Marcus Jones. Yeah. And let's spell this out because I didn't do it at the front end, assuming probably wrongfully that everyone knows the situation at corner this week, which I've written about everyone's tweeted about. We covered Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and Jalen Mills did not practice Wednesday and Thursday. Marcus Jones has a concussion. Uh, Jack Jones still with the knee bruise that in Arizona two and a half weeks ago tells us, yeah, I'll be fine. Okay, Jack Jones. Uh, and Jalen Mills is a groin injury where we saw him warming up at practice yesterday. And we'll see what Friday brings, you know, as we record this in the morning, the injury report will come out. I'm sure if they're even limited, they will be listed as questionable. But right. ultimately, that leaves Jonathan Jones, Sean Wade, Miles Bryant, and then the aforementioned practice squad guys who you just mentioned. Now, let's hit Teddy really quickly because I, I, you know, it was amusing seeing everyone just go, oh, he's right handed. That's about it. You know, right. the, the release is, is not as quick, but he's the same kind of point guard distributor quarterback that Tua is. Teddy this season, five games, one star, 61% uh, completion percentage, 522 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Most intriguing stat to me, he's never faced the Patriots before. So strange. Yeah. It's so weird. The second one is that he made a Pro Bowl. In 2015, with 16 touchdowns and 14 picks, which must have been the 2015 version of Mac Jones making the Pro Bowl. No yeah. slight to Mac Jones, obviously a rookie. Teddy in year two, though, clearly an alternate. Um, the Teddy thing also, Belichick saying this week, I've always liked Teddy, always had a ton of respect for him. Most notably two years ago, I had an opportunity to maybe sign him as a bridge quarterback, opted not to. That's fine. I don't think Teddy's ever been above a top 15 quarterback in the league. The names to know, obviously, whether it's the cornerback issue or just the talent of this Miami offense are out wide. It's Tyree Kill mm -hmm. and Jalen Waddell. So let's say they play a ton of zone. And when you look at the last three weeks, the Patriots 
have shifted from man to man when Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs and Justin Jefferson gave them a ton of problems. Last week against Cincinnati, 90% zone. More than half of that was covered too, like you mentioned. Las mm-hmm. Vegas the week before, 70% zone, rounded up a little bit, and about 80% in Arizona, again, against dominant number one wide receivers. And here you have as close to a Tyree Kill clone as you can in Jalen Waddell. So let's say they play zone. Let's say they prioritize the middle of the field where I could read more stats and bore more people. But again, they're top three in the league, and that's where they want to attack. What else do the Patriots have to do to keep Hill and Waddle from setting their secondary on fire? You know, usually I would say like GTFB, get the F back, like <laughs> protect against Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and like obviously that that goes to that. Um, and like that's not saying like what else can they do other than like those are the guys those are the guys in the offense there's basically no one else on the offense that you have to worry about um but teddy bridgewater doesn't throw deep as often as tuatango vailoa and he hasn't had the same success at least this season throwing deep as tuatango vailoa like tuatango vailoa's deep numbers this season are insane he's completing over 50 percent of his deep passes which is um pretty crazy for an nfl quarterback 10 touchdowns two interceptions um he's throwing deep at a 14 percent clip like that's the biggest difference at least early in the season between what the Dolphins were doing with Tua and what the 49ers were doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why the Dolphins offense was able to be so much more high powered than the 49ers has in the past with Jimmy Garoppolo because Tua was so willing to throw deep and because he was having so much success and inefficiency doing so. And I just don't think that you can trust Teddy to be doing those same things as Tua was because yeah, like, like, they're they're built around the same like they both kind of have limitations with arm strength and all these different things but Tua was just it was just a willingness to throw deep that other quarterbacks don't have because it was working for him so I do think that protecting against the middle of the field is still important I think that still getting back is important because you can't let Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill beat you on a catch and run I think that that's maybe even the bigger issue in this game is that like you yeah you can't let those those things happen you you might not have to protect deep against those guys but you still have to keep guys back in case that they get loose um and the other thing honestly is no more weirdness from Devin McCourty in this game because I don't know what happened on that Trenton Irwin touchdown against the Bengals where Devin McCourty was like hanging back expecting to catch a ball and all of a sudden Trenton Irwin is like three feet ahead of him catching a touchdown pass but I like like something there has been a little bit off about Devin McCourty this season. And like, he has to be extremely solid this week, whether he's back deep by himself uh, in a, in a, you know, single high cover shell or back there deep with someone else. Like he has to be as dependable as possible in this game. Yeah. It's, it's really tough because I think for years after the 2019 AFC championship game against Kansas city, and everyone's like, Oh, double Hill and keep McCourty over him and Jonathan Jones. I'll take him out of the game. That plan works when you have Stefan Gilmore. Jason right. Jackson elsewhere in your depth chart. Obviously, they're not here. And even if Jalen Mills, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones were healthy, and maybe one of them plays, who knows on Sunday. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just not gonna happen. It's gonna have to be zone. And that's where you get caught between a rock and a hard place. Where I was talking to Miles Bryant saying, like, these guys are so similar, but give me the biggest difference besides okay, Hill's maybe a little bit stronger, you know, or mm-hmm. older. And he goes, They just use Hill as more of a deep shot player. And so if you commit to stopping Tyree Kill deep, as you're saying, and kind of keep those safeties back. And, and McCourty is absolutely a keynote question about it. You allow the middle of the field to be open, particularly if you're in too high, which teams identify as being middle yeah. of the field open. Single high is called middle of the field close, which then gives more room to Jalen Waddle, who Miles Bryant was telling me is really your yards after catch guy. And he right. averages more than you know 18 yards per catch, which is more than Tyree Kill, about four yards more. But it's because of his ability to make people miss in space. And so you can't give up those digs or those screens or those drags to Waddle. And that's where you you want to commit to one, but you can't because there's a reason both of these guys are top six in the league. I think the one thing that's missing, whether you're too high, you're in single high, you're in zone, you're in man, is just the physicality element. You saw it against the Chargers. The Niners obviously did this to them. You just need to disrupt the timing where Teddy wants to get rid of the ball really quickly. May hold it a beat longer, disrupt the timing of the play. Of course, there's some risk built in there, too, because you just go to make it, you know, a chuck, a shove, a press at the line of scrimmage and you miss. Zoom. He's gone. 70 yards. Yeah. That's it. It's over. I just think, though, you can do that within five yards. And if you take a couple flags, that's fine because they can't call it every single time. And you need to disrupt the timing of the whole operation versus focusing on one wheel or another that's just going to keep spinning. And there's nothing that's going to stop them. You need to kind of 
take a bigger picture look at the whole defense. Um, but sticking with that, are, are there any other singular matchups that you look at Miami's roster and just go, the Patriots are going to have a huge problem with blank? Um, not really, at least like not in the passing game, because it's it's basically just Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in the passing right, game. Like, right. I think that, um, you know, Mike Kosicki is like the, the Dolphins. I don't know why they franchise tag Mike Kosicki. I don't know why they, why they didn't trade him. Like, it's just been bizarre to see his usage usage this season, because like you'd think that even if you just put him at wide receiver, he would be more effective than he is right now as a tight end. So not really anyone in the passing game, like Raheem Mostert has been tough in the running game at times. Jeff Wilson had one big game, but he's been a little bit inconsistent. Um, the Dolphins over the last four weeks have been, have rated pretty high as far as EPA per play goes in the running game. But I think a lot of that is simply just the fact that they've been down, uh, they've been down early and teams are allowing them to run the ball. So those are things that's kind of like noise as far as EPA per play goes. I don't think that you have to worry as much about them in the run game, but I guess I would also just say like, just from a pass rushing perspective, I think that there are matchups to win against this Dolphins offensive line. Uh, Brandon Shell has been pretty solid at right tackle in recent weeks, but I still think that that's, that could be a, a matchup winner for the Patriots, whether that's, you know, Matt Judon or Josh Uche rush, rushing there. Um, I will say that Teddy Bridgewater this season has been a little bit more effective against pressure than, than Tua Tango Vailoa was. So maybe that's not as impactful as it would have been if Tua was back there at quarterback, but I still think that there are matchups to be won on the offensive line and, you know, Brandon Shell's probably one of the guys that that you could probably try to beat there um, at, at right tackle. Yeah, this is another area where we talk about the Patriots cornerback depth being an issue. Injuries, Ron Armstead misses practice Wednesday and Thursday. Right. Shell was added to the injury report on Thursday, and maybe they're fine. Maybe this is just, you know, this late in the season, yeah. Miami goes, you've played 15 games. Like two practices is not going to make the difference between how prepared right. you are, which is why a couple of weeks ago, you know, reminder, Stevenson gets hurt, and I felt pretty confident in that round he was going to play at Vegas. And he doesn't has the game of his life until it was right. the extending of his uh, career. So, you know, TBD on that, but I think you're right. And that also speaks to just the strength of the Patriots defense right now, which is the first time, at least since I was started covering the team in 2018, where you go and look at their pass rush and be like, this is the strength of this defense. Mm -hmm. And I, I like it's, I think the gap has only grown further and you could talk about the safety group and that's fine. They just do so many different things. It's not like it's the coverage. It's the rush. It's your tackling. Like, Josh Jane, Matt Judon are two problems. Like they're the guys keeping offensive coordinators up at night, which is the way I try to frame things here because that matters, you know, at some point. Like what, what are the fundamental problems? You're at restarts playing corner. Doug's a problem. We can't throw it, Doug. <laughs> and you look at the Patriots offense as we move to that side of the ball. The story has just been no one scares you. It's it's Ronder right. Stevenson. I beat that point into the ground, but it's the simplest way to go. What's the issue here? Hey guys, a quick break for a holiday gift from me to you. It's a reminder that Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. NFL, college football, bowl season, esports, and the end of the World Cup. You'll find the latest odds on all of those, plus team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at betonline.ag, where Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for any sport or game. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events, so head online to betonline.ag. Dot ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your reward at BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's start positive. Um, Miami's pass defense has been bad. That I mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, 18th overall in DBOA. That's been the constant the last four weeks. It's been the constant for the entire season. That's been their ranking. Saving Howard having a down year. Um, Byron Jones being out obviously hurts. Then it, it is just a collection of ex-Patriots corners who are mostly special teamers, Keon Crossan, uh, Justin Bethel. Um, uh, Kohu in the slot has actually been a surprise to them as an undrafted yep, rookie or Rosen there. But it's a defense that is it's surprising that it's an offshoot of the Patriots system because I see Josh Boyer with the fourth highest blitz rate in the league in a cornerback group that really doesn't demand calling that much man coverage. And so they've been more stubborn than, mm -hmm. you know, the Patriots have been where we're going to adapt and we're game plan defense and this and that. So when you look at, you know, the corners I mentioned, or maybe it's in the linebackers where Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker are leading them in tackles and playing really well. What one-on-one -on -one matchups or options do you see for Mac Jones? Like, okay, that's where we need to start first drive, second drive to get ahead on Miami. You know, it, it's tough because I, I would have said 
like Devontae Parker could be a good matchup in this game, but he's still out of practice. So it's like yeah. you've got a depleted wide receiver core now as well, where I think that you you have to count on either Nelson Aguilar or Tyquan Thornton uh, being a, a matchup in Ooh. this game. I know it's tough, but like Kendrick Bourne, I think, is certainly could make an impact outside as well. It's basically just like whoever's lined up outside that's not against Xavier Howard, because I know that Xavier Howard has not been good this season. It was shocking that he made the pro bowl this year because i think he actually has allowed the most yards and coverage out of any cornerback this year but i also think that historically like bill belichick is probably still going to want to stay away from xavian howard like i don't think he's going to want to try to like go into this game and say like oh let's go after xavian howard like if the opportunity presents itself i don't think they'll be afraid to throw at xavian howard but it's basically just whoever the outside wide receiver is against that other cornerback in this game. And I think that you have to hope that it's Kendrick Bourne. Um, maybe you just try to have Tyquan Thornton running, you know, like getting Xavier Howard out of the play by running uh, go routes, uh, just like clearing out space there. And maybe, yeah, it is Kendrick Bourne, but I don't know. I mean, one of these wide receivers is going to have to have a big game because I don't think it's going to be Jacoby Myers because Caterco, who has had a good season this year, that's not necessarily the matchup to exploit in this game against the Dolphins defense. Um, but I'd be a little bit nervous coming in this game. Like you said, the Dolphins have a high blitz rate. I think maybe some of that is that they're protecting their cornerbacks who have struggled, giving your quarterbacks about a little bit less time to go after them in man coverage. But I mean, we've seen how the Patriots have fared this season against pressure, against blitzes. Like, I think that uh, this Patriots offensive line in itself is going to have to be a a huge matchup for the Patriots as well, um, because they have to give Mac Jones time uh, to throw the ball. They have to give Mac Jones time to find Kendrick Bourne, to find those outside wide receivers who are going up against, you know, those non-Xavian Howard cornerbacks. So I don't know. It it would it's it's a matchup to exploit. I'm just not confident the Patriots can actually exploit it. Yeah, and that leads me to an answer for my own question, which is one-on-one matchups. Where do you go? Yeah. I go to Hunter Henry, who's listed as limited with a knee. Told yeah. me very flippantly yesterday, I said, did Santa bring you a healthy knee for Christmas? And he goes, yeah, I'll be fine. And walks in the locker room. Take that for what you, it's worth. It's certainly not anything to report. But the Dolphins are 30th against tight ends by DBA. Yeah. And that, that's the one area where you look and go, as long as it's not Javon Holland and man-to-man coverage. And they lose, right. they use Holland all over the place. I just have to feed that guy because I know the numbers are down. I have been calling for Hunter Henry to be the focus of game plans against the Colts, against Bears. I want to say the Vikings. Uh, and it, it just doesn't happen. It's the same thing with yeah. these downfill RPOs that they just they just won't commit to or install or get their head around or just don't see the usefulness of. Same with play action. I just, I just can't explain it. But I think this is as simple as backyard ball where you just go, he's one of our better players. We don't want to go at Howard if he's across from Jacoby Myers. They clearly don't have as much faith in Kendrick Bourne as the rest of us. That's the one place to go. Um, the other part about the blitz rate is it's tied to their pass rush, right? Like they they acquire Bradley Chubb, who misses practice Wednesday and Thursday. Let's assume he doesn't play. Jalen Phillips has been good, seven sacks. Melvin Ingram has six. That's it for them as far mm-hmm. as like consistent pass rush. And then it's Jerome Baker coming off of blitzes and Landon Roberts. So that's to make up for the pass rush as well as the corners. And ultimately, they're going to get their negative plays. I just think you have to bank on – taking those shots like in the second half yeah. against Cincinnati where they're like we're down 22 to zero right. like F it we have to go to Kendrick Bourne downfield triple coverage and off to the sideline and those plays are not always going to come through and probably yeah. one on Sunday but they need to come through enough and I would throw in a double move there um the other area where I think they can exploit Miami is tackling they're the seventh worst tackling mm-hmm. team in the league by PFF and I look at early downs where they need to stay on schedule it's not explosive offense Miami is very good against the run despite this these tackling was how can they exploit that tackling and early downs just to stay on schedule, assuming that a hampered reminder Stevenson doesn't have success against what's been a top five run defense the last few weeks. I mean, <laughs> Patriots fans aren't going to want to hear, but like, oh, like no. screens can certainly help in that scenario. <laughs> like, uh, it, as long as you're getting the ball to the right people, like that, uh... that's been kind of the problem though, is that like, I don't have a lot of confidence in some of the Patriots tight ends and wide receivers too evade tackles to avoid yeah. tackles i think that Ramondre stevenson can all can absolutely do it and I, I i do think it's possible the patriots could struggle against the run in this game um but it like i said about the dolphins run game over the last four weeks like i also think that their run defense has been maybe better than like 
it should be just simply because they have been down in these games mm, and they okay. know that teams can run the ball against them or they know that teams are going to be running the ball against them. Teams are maybe a little bit more predictable once they get up early. So I think that that's still potentially a part of the Dolphins defense that you can exploit. And since tackling has been a problem for them, I do think that this could be a, a big game for Romandre Stevenson. I think it would be big to get Damian Harris back in this game as well. I know they missed practice on Thursday. What was that? It was not injury personal, related. Personal reason. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that he's certainly been missed in that offense. Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong have been fine, but you just can't rely on rookie running backs there. So I feel like if the Patriots can get that two-headed monster back there at running back, keep Ramondre Stevenson a little bit more fresh, have Damian Harris coming back on fresh legs, I do still think that that's a way that the Patriots can, you know, pick up yards early on downs, like not get into those third and long situations, not get yourself into a mess there. So I don't know. I still have some faith in the Patriots run game. And like the, like you mentioned, the dolphins have struggled tackling, which is kind of strange when it's a Patriots style defense, you would think that Josh Boyer would be working on that a little bit more that the dolphins would be trying to acquire better tacklers, but sometimes you just get stuck in the situation where you don't have the players that you want. I think Byron Jones would certainly be a lot better back there as a tackler at cornerback. So I don't know. I still think it is you rely on the run game early. Um, it might not be what Patriots fans want to hear, but I also think there could be some success there. Yeah, I think you I think you have to try out play action. Like you need to right. generate these yards via scheme, right? Again, if we're looking yeah. at these matchups and going, maybe Hunter Henry, who has a bum knee, or Ramondre Stevenson dealing with right. an ankle injury, you need to rely on your coaches, which is a scary thought. And you say screens, I think you could take a page out of Miami's book and just use more motion at the line right. of screens. Like you how often do we see Tyree Kill flying across the line and go straight into a real route behind a post? And like, he's just free because that puts the defender in immediate conflict and defenses have gotten better about passing off those routes as far as the two nearest defensive backs, but gets, get Stevenson on the move, get Damien Harris right. on the move, get Kendrick Bourne in space or a swing route with the slant, you know, over it. And so the defense, the defense has to make a choice. And at least that clears up the picture and gives your guys a head start. And it sounds simple, but it's also one of these things the Patriots aren't doing. They're last in the league at motion at the snap along with play action and some of these RPOs, especially in breaking ones or at least ones downfield. So do I have any confidence this will be implemented? No. And it's not because rooting against Matt Patricia is any sort of fun. This isn't even interesting anymore, but. I I also think that as as stupid as this sounds like, you miss Marcus Jones on offense yes, and being able yes. to do some of that stuff as well. He's because like, yeah. I know he's not playing many snaps, but like if there was an ideal person to try to replicate Tyreek Hill on this Patriots offense, like it would probably be Tyquan Thornton, but he's just not doing it. Um, there just hasn't been the success there. But even if it's five plays of Marcus Jones on offense, that's where the Patriots have actually been willing to be a little bit creative this year. And if he's out this game with a concussion, then you're even losing that. So I don't know. I mean, I would even consider like, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's a different, it's, it's a difficult situation. Like I would even possibly consider like bringing Lynn Bowden off the practice squad for this game <laughs> and having him like Marcus Jones for yeah playing cornerback, but <laughs> like being Marcus Jones for five snaps on offense or something like being able to get a little bit creative with someone coming off the practice squad, because quite honestly, a lot of the guys on the active roster this year just aren't getting it done on offense. Yeah. Uh, noted Doug Hyde draft crush, Lynn Bowden Jr. <laughs> it's true. So just need, I do just, love some Lynn Bowden Jr. Just, just needs more time. But I'm with you because, again, I, I think you need to scheme things up and have wrinkles. And it could be a double pass or a double reverse or just more of Marcus Jones where you could almost, almost make a case that if he was healthy and you get, let's say, 40 snaps, that you split those 30-10 offense to defense here right. because – you've at least got a facsimile of Marcus Jones and Miles Bryant, who's an inch shorter, less dynamic, mm-hmm. not as good with the ball in his hands, but he's going to play the slot. Marcus Jones, you know, at least the height issue isn't a big deal against Hill and Waddle, but he's yeah. just, you need some explosion. You need something downfield. All right. So let's wrap on the offense and then get to the three, two, one preview. Uh, I need maximum three words. Does Matt Patricia at all caught it loose? I just mentioned double pass, double reverse. Give me some sort of flea flicker, anything just to say we have nothing to lose here at seven and eight. Our playoff lives are at stake. We have a worst offense. We have the most boring offense. We need to catch them by surprise. Does he do anything like that? 
maybe i think that that's my that's my okay, but, right. but only only because like matt patricia seemed to be so proud of what the patriots offense did in the second half against the Bengals when like they did unleash mac jones a little bit more on a lot of those passes to kendrick Bourne. so like maybe he sees that and it's like oh it worked i can like i can rub it in their face again if we can do this in a full game against the dolphins now so like maybe that was enough to like make Matt Patricia proud of the offense in the second half against the Bengals to try to replicate some of that stuff, to get some riskier throws out there, to rely on Kendrick Bourne a little bit more and to trust Mac Jones. So like, that's the only thing that's given me a little bit of uncertainty and thinking that Matt Patricia, like might get a little bit more creative, might unleash the offense a little bit more this week. The thing about that, and I I promise we're going to move on to the preview is just, you can't take credit for Kendrick Bourne making a catch a triple. Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. Yes. You, you, you can't take credit no. if you're him. And no. I, he came in and, and rightfully acknowledged like they were better in the second half. You right. didn't cross midfield until the end of the third quarter. Like whatever right. adjustments you enacted to start the quarter, which I didn't see anything that was hugely different reviewing the game, didn't work. And then right. the play he has 28 yards down the right sideline to set up another touchdown was just four verbs, which is a okay. play I've been calling for is like you step back, you can have a three-step drop out of shotgun, understand where you're going with the ball, provided the pre-snap picture doesn't change a whole lot and just throw it up there, which is what Mac Jones did on third and 10. Cause that's what he had to do. Like you right. don't take credit for being down 22, which forces you to do things. And then one player comes and develop delivers all of these spectacular individual plays, not to mention the 50, 50 ball for the touchdown. So no credit for Matt Patricia. Well, yeah. Cause also like, all three of those. So the the catch down the sideline probably wasn't a catch. Kendrick Bourne had his had his hands on top of the ball and it hit the ground. So like you can't really take credit for that. You can't take credit for yeah Kendrick Bourne making catch over three defenders and then the touchdown. The cornerback had his back turned and it was a scramble drill essentially. Yeah. Like it's not like that was like a design play. Kendrick Bourne was just kind of like dipping over the 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 back of the end zone. The cornerback got into the position where he wasn't looking for the ball and you get a touchdown out of it. Like I don't think you can take credit for those things, but I think that Matt Patricia wants to. I think that if he wants to take credit more in the future, maybe he tries to replicate some of that stuff. And look, if I was getting buried alive for the last five months, as Matt Patricia has been, I would be gasping for any sort of thing to give me life and give me air because it's just it's been a terrible experience for him. I, I want to say bottom line stance before this gets to be Pat's media crush and Matt Patricia, blah, 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 is he was put in a position to fail from the guess. Yes. And that yeah. falls on Belichick. And yeah, I think there have been shortcomings. And I write about it every week. This is not any sort of fun in week 17 bashing the same pinata that's now on the ground. It has one little tootsie roll left in it. Like I want to leave it alone. We're so close to leaving it alone. So we'll, yes. we'll wrap it off here. Uh, three keys, two matchups, one extra point. We've covered at least the ones that I have as far as keys and matchups go a lot already. So we don't need mm-hmm. to expand upon them. Um, my two keys, and we'll get to one from you. You need to exploit Miami's bad tackling. Again, this is a slightly below average defense. The mm-hmm. matchups might not be great considering the run defense has been better. Might still some be some holes there. You've got to put them in spots where they're tackling shows. Second one, which we haven't talked about, is identify blitz pressure. Because there are still times, and I think there were three, maybe four instances against Cincinnati, where Mac just completely misses pressure pre-snap. Yeah. And even Kevin Harris is picking up uh, a certain blitzer, which if he didn't pick up his guy, you know, the other one was coming through and this kind of double-edged look when they're backed up at the goal line. But that just can't happen. And this is a guy right. who that's part of his quote-unquote superpower. So with Miami, who knows your protections, you know, runs a lot of same defense. They playing, they're playing a little bit more four down as of late. You just, you, you need to know where the problems are coming from. Even if they get home, they can't be a surprise because that's what Miami's going to try to bring to you down after down after down. I, I would say that my key is basically just whoever wins the pressure game is probably going to win this game. And the Dolphins have done a good job of generating pressure uh, on defense with their pass rush. Patriots obviously have done a very good job generating pressure with their defense. And both of these offensive lines can be exploited. We've certainly seen it with the Patriots this season. I can't tell you the exact reason why these particular five players have struggled, but they have struggled mightily this season. Or I guess I could say why Connor McDermott struggled because he's come in late, but Isaiah Wynn before him, like the Patriots offensive line as constructed should have been a lot better this season. And it hasn't been the Dolphins have some very serious holes on their offensive line. You mentioned it earlier. Some of those guys are dealing with injuries now as well. So I do, I think that that's probably going to be the name of the game here is whoever can actually get after the quarterback better. Whoever can generate pressure again, 
against some some uh, leaky offensive lines is probably going to wind up wind up winning this game because both secondaries can be exploited. So I think that it, it's it's so important to get pressure up front and to give that secondary less time to to get exploited. Gotcha. All right, three keys: tackling, blitz pressure, and then that pass rush, which could swing either way. Um, and I think makes a great point because at some point you can have all the schemes in the world. Uh, but Keon Crossan still plays special teams. Last I checked yes. better for Miami and as does uh, Sean Wade for the Patriots. And so the longer they're on defense, we have to hold up the more problems yeah. those defenses are going to have On to two matchups. Uh, my one matchup again, we've talked about Tyreek Hill, not so much Jonathan Jones. Everyone goes back to that AFC championship game. I think we need to leave it alone. Yes. He is the best physical matchup in terms of the combination of speed and quickness. He's also a smart guy and a good cover. But at some point, like Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill. And so he had, I think it was nine catches, 94 yards. Maybe it was 10. Maybe it was even 12 uh, in week one, a game that really doesn't matter anymore. But a lot of those were empty calories. And a lot of that mm-hmm. is because John Jones tackled well and at least had proper leverage. So how well he does, I think, will not be a bellwether for this defense. It'll be much more the pass rush, like you mentioned. But if there is one matchup down to down that you can watch, I, I think it has to be. Miami's best player against the best cornerback left for the Patriots here in John Jones. I, I like that a lot. I also, it's, it's just unfortunate. Obviously it's unfortunate when any player gets a concussion, but I just would have loved to have seen Marcus Jones against these two cornerbacks against yeah. these two wide receivers for the dolphins, because like there's no one that he would have matched up better as far as elite wide receivers go than Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, because like, yeah, of course he was going to struggle against T Higgins. T Higgins is like, like 10 inches taller than him. Like at a certain point height matters there. And I feel like Marcus Jones has done such a good job of sticking on wide receivers that I would have liked to have seen how we could have stuck on wide receivers that are around the same height as him. Um, my, my key matchup is also uh secondary versus wide receiver. And that is Jacoby Myers versus Cater Kohu uh, in the slot there. Cater uh, Kohu has been good over the last four weeks. He's only allowed 91 total yards from the slot. Then includes one touchdown and one interception, 65.9 passer rating allowed. And he's been solid all season as well. Only an 80.3 passer passer rating allowed. So, you know, Jacoby Myers is the go-to wide receiver on the Patriots. And you would think that going up against an undrafted rookie would be a great matchup there. And just based on the way that he's played this season, Cater Kohu, that's not necessarily the greatest matchup to exploit in this game. I still think it's possible that Bill Belichick looks across the line and says, it's an undrafted cornerback. Let's take our chances. But as we mentioned earlier, I think that there's there's better matchups to go up against on this Dolphins uh, secondary. So I'm just curious to see how that winds up presenting itself, how Cater Kohu can actually do against Patriots' best wide receiver there in Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I think that's going to be a real bell, bellwether for the Patriots' offense because he's also the guy that they're going to feature on third and six right. okay, or backed up when you get to second and 15 inevitably from another Trent Brown fall start. And you just go, we need to get the ball to our best players in obvious passing situations. Jacoby Myers checks all those boxes. Um, all right, one extra point, something that is maybe irrelevant to the game but has your interest or something that, you know, that, that has nothing to do with the on-field product. Mine for me is I would love to know what an extended Bill Belichick, Mike McDaniel handshake is like. Like, what is what is said? I don't, I don't want to role play this, but I want, I'm going to imagine it on my drive to Gillette today of just the combination of mumbles versus like sentences that come out if you're listening to a podcast on 0.75 speed, which is how McDaniel talks. And it's just like, and you don't know what he's going to say next, which I'm sure it's some version of just good game, well played, best of luck. Like there's, there's respect there at least. But these are two, you know, unusual characters in the NFL landscape. And they're at least going to get to hang out and shake hands here for five minutes after the game, five seconds. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, Bill Belichick has, I guess said to coaches on the field, like I'll call you after the game. I'd love to know what that, that post-game phone call would be like between Bill Belichick and Mike McDaniel as well. Um, I, I, I think this game, weather-wise is extremely unfortunate for the Patriots oh. <laughs> because it's going to be 55 degrees on Sunday. And that's kind of my extra point in this game is that like, if this game was like 10 degrees, if it was like five degrees, if we were talking about the same things they were talking about uh, before the Dolphins took on the Buffalo Bills, I think it would be just so much more interesting because I think, I don't know how warm it was in Miami last week, but I think that it might actually wind up being warmer for this game than it was in Florida last week. It was week. in the 40s. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it was in the 40s. I think it's going to be in the 50s this week. So, I mean, I think that that could have been something where it wouldn't have – it would have been fun to talk about for a day. I don't think it would have been fun to talk about for seven days like it was before that Dolphins-Bills game. Um, but it's just like kind of an unfortunate break weather-wise for the Patriots. Yeah. Anytime you get late in the season and it's unseasonably warm like it was last week and now like it is this week as well. So I know that that's not like the most interesting football-wise thing. But it's it's just a bummer for the Patriots. Yeah, it's not what extra points are for. It's for the, for the silliness because we just yes. did fifty whatever minutes or forty whatever minutes <laughs> on serious football stuff. Let's get to weather and phone calls after the game <laughs> that we get to make up in our head. All right, speaking of making things up, final score prediction. What do you got? Uh, I don't think this is gonna be a high scoring game. I think the Patriots defense will be able to slow down the Dolphins offense. And I actually think the Patriots are going to win this game. I would not have had the same prediction if Tua was their quarterback. I think they keep these playoff hopes alive for one more week. And I'm going to say something weird, like some missed extra points, some yeah. like, oh, it's getting like two-point conversion, whatever. Like I'm going to say like 1916 Patriots in this game. Nice. I I've gone back and forth, much like the spread, which has gone from I think Miami minus two and a half, swinging the other way with Tua's injury. Now, Vegas has been watching the cornerback situation, which is still too tenuous. Again, we're recording this on Friday morning. Right. Maybe that peels back to even. I just think <sighs> the, the talent discrepancy is such that it's hard to imagine the Patriots, whose coaching has killed them the last few weeks, pulls this one out. Because I think their chance, as far as the bounces going your way and the luck and overcoming a talent deficit, was last week against Cincinnati. And I think they mm -hmm. just blew it. Now, if Stevenson doesn't fumble in this game, and maybe you only have one turnover total, that gives you a good shot. I just think the weirdness, you know, if it's Sean Wade for so long as Tyree kill, it's just trouble. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go 19, uh, 1915 Dolphins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're getting nice. Weird. I think there's a two point conversion for God knows what reason or a missed extra point. We get three field yep. goals and a touchdown for Nick Fulf, <laughs> but like, yeah, 1950 Miami. I, I, I like Nick Folk just banging five field goals. That's that's the Patriots offense. In this yeah, game. you know what? Screw the touchdown. Because you know what? They're not if they can't run the ball in the red zone, it's gonna be trouble, which is you know, that's been quicksand for them all season. Yeah. Um, but at least it'll be I, warm because Nick Folk has not been able to hit kicks beyond like 46 yards when it gets to be 20 or below this year, which is no. weird and unfortunate because he's been the offense. Yeah, no, it's it's really unfortunate. It is gonna be windy in this game, it looks like. Might be a little bit of rain as well. Uh, but I think what you're saying is that if you're playing DraftKings, you want Nick Folk in that captain spot because he's gonna he's gonna be kicking field goals in this game. But <laughs> sounds like sounds like your plan. Um any, <laughs> yes. Any last plug for uh for what you've been up to? I mean, obviously everyone can find everything at Doug Kide, which I'm sure they already are on Twitter. Definitely, yeah. Just follow me at Doug Kide and uh yeah, like I said, I'll be I'll be I'll be writing, I'll be podcasting, I'll be I'll be doing everything. So uh keep it on Doug Kide and that's where you'll find everything. Awesome. All right. And uh, yeah, keep a promo code, Doug, and we will catch you <laughs> yes. in the new year, my friend. It was great catching up and going into this game, which I, I hope is even weirder than we imagined, because let's, <laughs> let's just at this point, there's a sense of in the Patriots locker room, not like let's get this over with, but like they understand it, they're seven and eight and seven and eight sucks. Um, right. But if this is how it's going to be, and we're going to have 18 games right around the corner. Uh, let's 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 get weird in the new year. It's, it would be difficult to get weirder than the last two games, but I, I would like things to get even weirder. I think that's good for business. <laughs> Cheers.